0: hi everyone this is anthony diaz with the pop health show and the show as everyone should know it's about health it's about making people healthy but specifically we have a strong passion for making people healthier in this world we get guests on our show that have done such and are doing such they've taken a deliberate stance to make other people healthy in the world they manifest that and express that in a variety of different ways whether you're an executive at a provider an executive at a payer, you own a yoga studio, or you invest in health tech companies, or you're starting a health tech company or something in health service. The show is for you. I'm really enthused, really excited. I'm, I'm glad we finally got, got to carve out some time and do this with David Waxman. David's my guest today. David is the managing partner at 10110 Ventures. He done some, he's done some interesting stuff. He's, he looks at a lot of different interesting things, but I'm not gonna steal his thunder. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah. No, thanks for making time. Thanks for being with us. And and David, I'd love to, you know, maybe you can teleport us back, you know, tell us a little bit about your origin. Tell us a little bit about, maybe about this, the series of events that you've gone through in your life that have, you know, led you to where you're at today. Absolutely. So I didn't
1: start in any way, uh, in a healthcare domain. I actually, uh, started in computer music, which, uh, was a way to indulge in two things I like to do very much. Mm. And, um, and then uh, when I was in grad school, uh, I met a, another person who was more of a business-minded person than, than I was at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And we
1: started a company and that was that was way back in 1995. The company was called Firefly Network. And uh, a few years later we sold that to Microsoft, and I had the bug. So we, the, me and the same co-founder, uh, we founded another company called People PC which went public in 2000, right before being public was, was kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, and you know, with a few intervening things, we did another company uh, called Spotrunner uh, in the, in the kind of mid-2000s to late-2000s. And after doing three companies, I decided that it was time to, uh, to change gears and focus on helping other people build companies.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, you know, and, and through ten one ten, obviously, you're you're interested in a lot of different uh, indirect and direct uh, services and businesses and ventures that affect well being. But uh, I guess more specifically, whether whether it's related uh, through, through what you're doing right now or on a personal basis, uh, tell me a little bit about well-being. How do you look at well-being? You know, from a from a population standpoint, from a community standpoint, individual standpoint, or I guess what just what excites you about health today?
1: Oh, there's so much. There's so much <laughs> going on, uh, and there's so much that we still don't know. That, right. Uh, you know, that leads to so much promise as we, as we learn things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there are things that we do know that just need to be addressed. So, you know, obviously um, we have some, some pretty major epidemics going on right now, obesity, um, diabetes, and, and other related things. We have you know, uh, drug addiction problems, I think we have a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so on the, you know, addressing those issues, I think there are a lot of of new ideas that can be brought to bear to to help, uh, reverse, um, some of those issues Mm -hmm. on, on, on another domain. I think we've got a, you know, we've got a rapidly growing world population and, um, and so feeding people in a, in a healthy way going forward, Mm -hmm. um, you know, creating this uh, smoothing out the, the, this tremendous imbalance between people on the one hand who are have way too many calories and are obese, and people who don't have enough calories to live mm-hmm. um, is something I care about a lot. Um, and then in healthcare, it's just um, you know there's there's both the optimistic and the pessimistic. I think the yeah. like or or at least I the know. problems and, and the great things to come, and the you know the problems. I think I think it's it's hard to argue that our healthcare system has a lot to be uh, to be fixed in it, and. um and it, it's, it's, you know, it's a very, very complex problem where there's a lot of entrenched interests and, and um, there's a lot of uh, sort of lack of clarity of about whose bottom line should rule over whose. Right. Uh, and uh, at the same time, there are all these new ways that we can help make people healthier with technology. So you know, there's a lot of interest in, in um, you know, genetic uh, approaches to disease um, genetics are also I think a really interesting opportunity to helping the, the uh, nutrition problem
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, and you know lots of really exciting stuff on the horizon so it's a uh, it's that sort of covered a, a wide gamut but there's yeah you know, so much to be interested in out there
0: well what's interesting is the common thread of our, our, you know genetics food climate you um, you know population you know things that we can control and not control but but data's being you know accumulated in all these different dimensions and obviously you know through your through your firm you know you're looking at these services that are coming up and and seeing these trends now we can predict and and and, and be able to assert and say statements and facts about you know different dimensions of health are you seeing um are you seeing that we're hitting tipping points and being able to say And prescribe important things in these major domains of like genetics or food or you know are we able to say things like you know einstein was right everyone should work to become a vegetarian as we get older or um you know uh on the genetic side you know here's what makes a difference genetics wise if you have this you need to do this or you know climate wise yeah actually you know there's not going to be any fish in the sea by 2050, right? Uh, what do you, what do you, how do you look at the data side that streams all t- together? You know, these different health domains.
1: Well, I, I think there's a lot that's known and a lot that's yet to be known. I mean, I think you could safely yeah. say that that a Mediterranean diet is better than a sort of typical American food diet, right? And there's lots of mm-hmm. that touches a lot of places, um, and there's a lot of data and real studies out there that that say that that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, in areas of genetics, um, you know, it's clear that some of the targeted medicine, uh, targeted therapies are working, and, and as well as the diagnostics.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: there's so much that that I feel like we're right on the cusp. Of right. understanding. Um, I was actually at an event this week, and there was a lot of discussion about the biome, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think <clears throat> there's a lot of data out there, and lots to lots of information being uncovered, but. You know, when, when this very prominent scientist was asked if probiotics had any effect on people um, one way or another, he, he couldn't say. He could you know, based on on knowing a whole lot about the gut and what mm-hmm. what lives in there, he, he could only say that most of them don't do any harm. Right. Right. He he wasn't able to say, like, eat this and, and your biome will be healthier and, and really the question of what is a healthy biome is still something that's that's open for, you know, a lot of discussion.
0: Right. right. Right.
1: Yeah, the biome is, um,
0: is a pretty interesting uh, new phenomenon. And uh, it, it feels like all of us like, kind of like know about it, sense about it, but are playing a little bit whack-a-mole with our foods to kind of optimize our, our, our uh, biome, especially out here in California, right? <laughs> um, like, you know, we have kombucha in the office here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drink a little bit of this right now because it's good for my biome, right? Or I'm going to drink a little apple cider vinegar later on because it's good for my biome. And potato chips are not. But I guess what's interesting is like, it it seems like with all these sciences and everything, there's still like a a full circle return to natural. And, um, you know, eating lots of plants, drinking lots of water, like don't eat processed food that doesn't have you know, the sunlight, you know, bedded in it you know, like a plant does. Um, I guess it's pretty interesting. Yeah, there was someone else on our show recently that we were just talking about, you know, the biome and kind of what we know and what we don't know. I guess um, I guess in this space, um, you see so many trends, right? You see so many different businesses, whether it's uh, one degree away from well-being or two degrees away, what else has your fascination? Like, what other like solutions are you wanting to see, or I guess problems that you're really wanting to see solve, and you're starting to develop a thesis on, like, man, there's this massive problem, and I think this this new service I've heard about. Is there anything you'd like to speak about there that you're, you're seeing? Sure, but
1: I'd like to go back for a second to to what you said before, and and one is, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer, and I, th- I think it's worth probably a lot of your listeners have already read Michael Pollan, but he has got some very mm-hmm. clear, clear articulations of, of what to eat and not eat. And basically, you know, eat stuff that your grandmother would recognize as food mm-hmm. and, um, is, I think a pretty good, uh, safe thing to look at. And the other thing is, is, and my, my, one of my partners is going to hate this because she really loves kombucha, but <laughs> kombucha, you know, has a lot of sugar in it. Um, it's, a lot of it's sugar. It has, yeah. And, 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 uh, or alcohol and, and the, you know because basically it's a fermentation process of so sugar turns into alcohol and right I heard someone recently s- say that there's a little bit of labeling funniness where um, where some kombucha, I don't want to indict the whole industry but some kombucha uh, companies will will on the label put the um, you know the alcohol content at the beginning of the shelf life and the um, and the sugar content at mm. the end of the shelf life, which is kind of cheating, right? Because there's a lot of sugar when the thing's early. Right. Uh, as things ferment further, there's a lot of alcohol. Right. So, uh, so you can under-report both if you, if you, you know pick your, your measurement times. Um, and so I'm sure it's healthier than many, many, many things that people drink. Mm-hmm. But um, I've, been, I've been watching my kombucha intake for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Like even in the office
0: here, like I try and only drink like just a little bit of it because of the sugar content. And then I don't, I don't drink alcohol at all. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to get drunk. Well, well, maybe I haven't really, <laughs> maybe I've been drinking alcohol all this time every single day. I'm always back at day zero. But, um, but what's, uh, I love Michael Pollan's philosophy. Yeah. As well. Like when it comes to food and to health and well being, it's like, you know, Always try and shop on the perimeters, um, you know, only eat stuff your grandmother, you know. So anything that's becoming commercialized, you know, I used to work in the CPG industry, and uh, anything that's kind of being advertised, right? Um, it, it's kind of like you got to look at it with an open eye and say, why is this being advertised on TV, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's it's pretty interesting, but uh, but yeah, I think the hippies had it had it right, and so I think being a hippie now with food is uh, is becoming in vogue again, but uh, but yet. Um, and, and then so, uh, so yeah, no, I appreciate you going back to that. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's so key and important to note, you know, the the biome, nutrition, uh, holistic foods, you know, this is the basis for everything, right? Um, when it comes to like health and well-being, we've had a lot of people on the show talk about, um, you know, the, the power of just eating real Food, you know, real whole foods is so, so powerful and try and stay away from everything else. And it's just that simple. Um, but um, I guess, uh, yeah, are you seeing some cool stuff happen in in, in the food tech space as well? Because I know you mentioned at the beginning here, um, you know, we need to also create ways on how to feed the population. There's a lot of new alt milk, alt protein, I should say, alt meat. Yeah. Um, looking at anything in that space?
1: we're we're not investors in in that yet. I think mm-hmm. the whole protein space is really, really interesting. and um, you know from a from a climate perspective and a, and a you know resource allocation perspective, it's it is much better to not um, to not not make protein with animals uh, mm-hmm. um, And you know I say that a little bit hypocritically because i I love eating meat right. Um, I'll, I'll cop to that. But, um, but that, that's not so much what, what we're investing in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's an area where I'm still learning a lot, where we've spent a little bit more time, well, we, we did a little bit in, in fitness. We, we were, um, uh, we were investors in a company called misfit wearables, which has since been sold to fossil, but, right. but that was sort of early on. In when, you know, sort of basic wearables were, were started to, to, um, permeate. And then, um, We've been very interested in, in kind of how to make the hospital experience better because um, mm. it's pretty awful and it's pretty expensive. And, yeah, um, and so so on the one hand, we're, we're investors in a company called Well Health that's really focused on the front end interaction between patient and, and um, clinic, mm-hmm. and um, and then we've we've uh, recently invested in a company called Health Tensor that's more about what happens. Uh, between patient and doctor, and, and helping that interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, I mean, you walk into any hospital or have an experience with the medical, you know, a, as a patient um, or, or a relative of a patient, and you just see so many things that that you sort of can't believe mm-hmm. and you still like that. Um, and uh, it, it's 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 really tempting to to go after all of them because there's just so many apparent things that can that seemed like they could be made better. Um, we've also learned, kind of the hard way, that that some of um, trying to affect change, particularly through a hospital, is a very, very hard thing for a startup to do. Right. Um, and um, just because the sales cycles are tremendously long, and, mm-hmm. um, and certainly if there's any FDA approval or, or you know um, regulatory hurdle to make it over, that's that's very expensive and difficult for a startup. Um, but we've, but we've managed to see some success in, in both areas, and, and uh, yeah, and I think there's, you know, just from an economic perspective, it's 18% of the GDP and getting worse. So I think, right. I, I right. think there's plenty to do there, uh, right? And, and we're looking at, at, at opportunities there more so than in some of the more cutting edge stuff, which which holds my interest, but I, I don't feel uh, skilled enough to make a good investment yet.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I guess do you see the movement of you know you looking at the space with like optimizing healthcare workflows? Do you is it is it more the fee for value you know movement that's happening, and you, you see that you know this US GDP, you see it potentially it could, there's an opportunity for it to flip um, to be more value based over the next like few years, and that's why you know because I mean traditionally you know work you know healthcare has always been like you know broken flow wise but the, the the industry and to a lot of our listeners out there you know obviously it's been in a service-based model for a long time until is that is, are you seeing it turn the corner a little bit because value the value-based movement is is here and kind of we're in this like value-based economy absolutely i mean i think that that really helps a lot because there's a there's just a clear and fundamental
1: misalignment and be the fee-for-service right right, right. Um, and and you know, value-based care doesn't eliminate all conflicts of interest or misaligned interests, but it, it certainly is a heck of a lot better mm-hmm. um, when you're measuring, you know, one bottom line, which is related to the patient's health rather than, you know, a different, completely separate bottom line of how many things that you do to the patient. Um, that just doesn't make, that doesn't yeah. make a mix in my opinion. And so I, I think that that, uh, you know, that that movement is, is, hopefully not going anywhere, and I don't see why it would. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot has to happen in, in you know, throughout the entire ecosystem, from insurance to government to, to hospitals, to, to make that really work. 100%. I agree 100%. Um, David, let me ask you, I mean,
0: so even though we're in a value-based movement, a lot of probably hospital exec CFOs at hospitals, I know the ones that I have relationships with, they they want to make change they want to reduce readmits they want us you know be compliant with their bundles and stay under budget (laughs) but yet it's still still it feels still still so hard to penetrate for a new startup that's you know implementing technology sometimes it integrates with the ehr sometimes it doesn't sometimes the sales cycle are so long and then you know, startups get stuck in a little bit of a cycle of, you know, need to raise money, but sales cycles are taking longer, but we got a good product, but we've got a good pipe. And and so that, that could be an infinite, infinite, infinite loop sort of, but what, what, what's the difference that makes a difference with like some of the the companies you've invested in what's one or two things that seems to work sales wise. Is Is it a matter of just like be relentless, call a lot on the CFO and speak value? Or is there a few little things that you're seeing straight together consistency that seem to be helping out
1: well i I think there's one i mean it it is just hard right there's Mm -hmm. nothing that makes selling to the bigger the health system or hospital the harder it is right right unless unless you're you know it's interesting here in la cedar sinai does a a, an accelerator program they used to do it with Techstars. now that it now it's um, they run it themselves, but I think
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's a really interesting model for getting startups access into even seeing the problems of a big health system, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think Cedars has done a really good job of, of um, making that work. And we've actually invested in a few startups that that, um, that have come out of there, and mm-hmm. you know, it's great. They have the access. You know, when you're doing customer discovery, it's even when you're you know just doing custom customer discovery, talking to the CIO of a hospital or this, you know, or the, you know, anybody on the senior team is hard. And, um, and so it's, it's great that they're doing this. I think um, aside from that, I would say, you know, hospital medicine is a, is a, is an area where there's a lot of constituencies. And I think this is kind of true in every enterprise still. where if you can make life better and, you know, solve a problem for more than one constituency, it's a good thing. And I think in selling to hospitals, it's uh, a really, really important thing. Mm-hmm. So if you are trying to sell something to the CFO that the doctors hate, um, that's that's not good, right? Yeah. If you're trying to sell something that to the doctors that it doesn't really solve any of the administration's needs, that's gonna be really hard. So, um, so finding a way to make your product Kind of be a, a win-win for, for more than one group or, or as many of the important constituencies as possible mm-hmm. i think is a great way to to advance the ball a little bit more quickly um in a, in a hospital set situation you know and, and the other thing is to just embrace the fact that there is a large a long sales cycle and not burn too much money mm-hmm. um, while, while you're working on the sales and and of course, if you can go to smaller clinics or surgical centers, depending on what your product is, um, and get proof with a much much, you know, uh, quicker pipeline, uh, that's another great way to move forward.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. We have a lot of listeners that, that run health tech startups. I, I run health tech startups. I'm always I'm always uh, always listening. You know, and uh, as as you know, it's about the physics of the pipeline and just making sure you can get your innovations out there. Most of the time. A lot of these companies have, have products that work, that have efficacy, and so the alignment. I, so I appreciate your perspective for sure. This, this helps out a ton. Um, David, let me ask you about um, the future, the future of healthcare. What do you see happening? I mean, maybe you pick a time horizon, maybe it's the next five years, maybe it's the next 50 years. What do you see happening? What's the optimistic future you'd like to see? I'd just love to you know, maybe tell us the future of health, according to David. <laughs>
1: Um, uh, wow, that's a, that's a big question. That's I, a big I, question. Maybe, yeah. maybe what, what do you see? I mean, so I, mean food, I would really food, like to see single uh, pair. Yeah, single pair. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I, th- I think it's going to happen, but I, you know, I've been wrong in guessing mm-hmm. politics a bunch of mm-hmm. times, um, like a lot of us probably thrown by what things that we didn't think would ever happen, but did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm I'm really hoping that single pair will come around because I think it does. Right, it, it'll certainly create a whole new raft of problems, but it's all right. Lot of problems. Um, I I think that the person personalization of medicine and really really understanding mm-hmm. what um you know how to treat people with less and less blunt instruments because um, even you know many modern therapies today are, are super blunt uh, mm-hmm. and they work but they have a lot of collateral cor- cor- damage and I think with the with the genetic progress uh, or those developments in that field i think people can can expect more really personalized and targeted medicine that's gonna gonna um, be more effective and less uh, damaging mm-hmm. um so that's that's really exciting um i think we're going to see a lot of more machines sort of helping out in the hospital i don't think we're going to replace doctors i don't want to replace doctors but i think Doctors will have AI assistants. I think radiologists will have um, AI assistants. Patholog- pathologists. Um, there are a lot of areas where you can where you can see a, doc- a doctor getting a lot of benefit from one of these systems. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I still think the doctor has to be the the interface, if you will, between the whatever system there is and the patient. Right? Because mm-hmm. the computer can't. You know. I, I know a lot of doctors, my brother's a doctor. I, I, you know, they can sort of look at a patient and say, Oh, you're not too good. <laughs> your, right. your, your, th- your thing's real. Um, and your thing over there, you're, you're probably going to be fine. And you know, without, without a whole lot of um, testing even. Um, but but there's no reason that a doctor should have to know um, every interesting academic paper that's been published in their field it's mm-hmm. very hard to do. There's no reason that a, um, You know that a radiologist shouldn't have an extra stream of you know with a with an ai that's seen uh, a million scans rather than however many one person sees in a career Mm -hmm. um, to to point out things that might be there or not there Uh, so i i I expect that to happen for sure and i i don't know how to do this and maybe this is part of the fee for service change that that that, you know going towards a single-payer model um, but the systems that help op- hospitals operate, notably the AHRs, the mm-hmm. they need to get fixed, right? Right now, they're, they're, they're a system that handles two things that are, once again, for two very different constituencies. They're, they're the record for the patient and the clinician to use, and they're also um, really mostly geared towards how to get the hospital reimbursed. And, mm-hmm. um, and having those two things in the same system makes them creates all kind of all kinds of perversions and and you know frankly i don't hear a lot of doctors singing the praises of, of their ehr right right yeah it's like the doctor's not the customer here. <laughs> they're really not right yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's probably not good for the patient
0: right and, and so right. Um, yeah these are these are absolutely i mean i agree with your um well i believe in in the future <laughs> that you're citing here david it's 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 you know i think we need to get to all of these these places i mean there's some interesting there's there's some fascinating movements happening obviously like some of the ones we talked about already but um single payer is interesting lots of dynamics there right to for that to to come to fruition that's a whole that's a it needs to happen you know could could the incentives be aligned for that to happen that would be exciting um, yeah David, um, I want to be, so a couple of things. I want to be sensitive to time. What I'd love to do is, you know, obviously as you guys um, continue to place bets and vote with your dollars in the space and just see interesting topics, always love to have you come back and, um, and share, you know, what you're seeing, what you're doing, David. So this has been, you know, really super phenomenal. Again, I want to be sensitive to, to, to your time. I guess my, my last question is if, if our listeners wanted to get a, in touch with you or interact on social media with you, um, if you would like that to occur, what would be a good way to do so?
1: Uh, they can uh, send me an email. Um, I'm David at ten one ten spelled out t e n o n e t e n dot net. Uh, don't get that last part wrong. Um, and info at ten one ten dot also works. Um, you can follow me on Twitter sign d wax d d w a x d um i don't say much that's that interesting but if you want to hear about my dog and stuff like that I, i'm tweeting sometimes um <laughs> uh, and uh and i write a few things on medium and and other other places so uh you know follow me or, or just reach out to me that's either or both is fine
0: super super david this was this was great having you on we'll, we'll include that in the show notes and uh Again, this was great. Thank you so much for being on the show and for peeling off time to, to spend time with us and share your story, share your passions, and uh, of course, most importantly, your vision of the future. And so it's exciting to see what you're doing and uh, looking, looking forward to seeing more. Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, David. Thank you so much. Thank you.